Our scripture lesson that was read earlier came from Dr. Luke's Gospel, the 15th chapter, and the 11th through the 32nd verses. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Very often when we read or hear this very familiar parable, we identify closely with either of the two brothers, more so the younger one, which we all know as the prodigal son. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus' reason for telling this parable is actually more about the father than it is about the sons. Well, well. So for a message this morning, I'll be speaking quite simply from the topic, the benevolent father. The benevolent father. On this day that we celebrate friends and family, let us look to the Lord for his guidance. Amen? In terms of context, Jesus was surrounded by some tax collectors and, and sinners who were all gathering around him, waiting to hear him speak. In that gathering, some of the Pharisees who happened to be there and the teachers of the law, they started muttering, as you know, people often do. And they said in their hearts and their minds, this man, Jesus, he, he, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. It is then that Jesus tells the first parable of a lost sheep. 
And then he tells a parable of a lost coin. And finally, he tells a third parable, which we know as a parable of the prodigal son. Jesus went on with other teachings, but these three parables or these three stories that Jesus told dealt specifically with the issue of once being lost and now being found. As I pondered the text, it it became obvious to me that Dr. Luke made, made very specific references to two groups of people in this message. The first group, he tells us, were the tax collectors and the sinners. This is the first group that was gathering around Jesus, wanting to hear what Jesus had to say. This is the group that, by virtue of their lifestyle, the way they live, they were actually marginalized in society. Those are the folks in our societies that we don't really want to have anything to do with. That was one group that was around Jesus. But there was a second group that was around Jesus. And this group, we're told, are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. This is the group that represents the ruling class in the society, the ones who have been entrusted to keep things in order. This group is like the politicians and the mayors and and all of the the clergy folk, the bishops. These are the the well-to-do people, the one who seems to have everything in control, the one who we would say have been raised right. So Jesus is in the midst of these two groups. One group, people don't want anything to do with, and the other group, what everyone would like to be like. And so the master teacher, Jesus, looks now over this and decides to tell them this parable about the prodigal. So Jesus, who we know is the master teacher, now looks at them and he says, I need you to hear me clearly. He talks about this son, and here's what he said. He said, the younger son, in this parable, said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now the reason why I'm bringing that up is because keep in the back of your minds that Jesus is talking to two different groups of people. So the question we want is, how are these people hearing what Jesus had to say? So we're going to first see the perspective of the younger son. At the end of the parable, we know that after the son has gotten all his wealth, the Bible tells us that he squandered it. But then he came back home, and he found a father that had great compassion at the return of his son, and he was filled with immense joy. But, 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 but to fully appreciate this sense of joy, you need to look closely at what the younger son actually was doing and the nature of the relationship between him and his father. You see, the father tells us the clue. He says he was once dead and is now alive. He was once lost and is now found. These are the words of the father. So before this happened, the son went to the father and said, give me what's due unto me. Give me my share of the inheritance. In other words, I'm entitled to what you have worked for, dad. I'm entitled to what you have suffered, worked for all your life. I am your son, and because I'm your son, I'm entitled to it. Give me what is mine. Entitlement didn't start with this generation that we live in today. That mentality is still very much with us. People be thinking that they deserve something from someone else that they themselves have not even earned. You see, what you want to know is in this Middle Eastern context, two things are very important in this text. Number one, he wants the division of the inheritance now before it's time. 
Second thing is he wants the right to do whatever he wants with it. Now, brothers and sisters, let me be very clear as I set the cultural context. What this simply means is that if the father signs over the inheritance to his son, the father would actually still be able to live off, off, off of the interest. He could still do that. But the fact that the son wanted to squander it meant that he was actually telling his father, I wish you were dead. Because you don't get what's in the will until the person dies. So as far as the father is concerned, his son is coming to him and saying, Dad, give me what I haven't earned. Give me my inheritance. I want it now. And what the father is hearing is, oh my Lord, my son, my young son, who I nurtured from, he was a baby, wishes I were dead. Father, I cannot wait for you to die. It is a heartless request. It's an offense to the father. Furthermore, the text tells us that he wants to go to a distant country. That what the text said? Not only does he want the inheritance, because it's one thing to take what's yours and to stay in the neighborhood. But you know, sometimes when you get a little something, you move out of the neighborhood. Why? Because what you're kind of really saying when you move to a distant country is really saying that I don't want to be associated with my history and my legacy anymore. Sometimes people get a little too big for their Bridges. And so by saying I want to be in a far country means I don't care about traditionalism. I don't care about my legacy. I don't care about Richard Allen. I don't care about the movement of African Americans. I can hang out with other folk. It's a shame. He's ashamed of where he came from and wants nothing to do with what people before him have worked so hard. Young people especially, I'm telling you right now, and old alike, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Be very careful when you pretend like what you have, you earned on your own. But the father never pulled back his arms. He never withheld his blessing. He never stopped loving the son. He never stopped loving him. But it was love of the father that actually had the courage enough to say, go. Sometimes love has to release you even at the peril of those whom you love. Sometimes you love people so much, you try to hold on to them, but you end up doing far more harm than good because you think you can control. But the Lord God, if he is really God, if you really think that God is sovereign and God is in control, release him to do what only he can do. God can take care of my family much better than I can. So the father, in all his love for his young son, who, who literally spit in his face, says, I love you enough to give you what you've asked for, but I'm turning you over to the Lord. Painful for the Father, but love sometimes releases and not enables. So the young son was gone. Now we pick up in verse 14. It said, after he'd spent everything, a severe famine was in that whole country. That's what the text says. And he began to be in need. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. In other words, sometimes when you think what's good for you really isn't. But now he's in a place where he's struggling. But the text says when he came to his senses, he said to himself, and I want you to listen carefully to the text. He says when he came to his senses, he said, how many 
of my father's hired servants have food to spare. Now I, now I listened to the text. And I sat in the text. And I wanted to understand why would Dr. Luke put in the text the fact that this son was now focusing on the hired servants. Well, what I want you to know is when this young man left the house, he left with pride in his heart. Yet in the midst of his debasement, he held on to one bit of truth. And that is he was still his father's son. This is the real value, though, of the text. you got to be secure in your identity. Because sometimes when you go astray, sometimes when you, 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 you fall off the bandwagon, it's good to remember that I am still my father's son. He, in fact, he lost everything that brought him to the bottom of his identity. The young son had to lose everything to come into touch with the ground of his being. And this was the basis of his choice. But I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, that you might not have noticed. The text actually lets us know that the son was not really quite that repentant. When he realized that he was still his father's son and he was ready about to eat pigs, the Bible lets us know that, th 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 there was something worse going on here. Here's what it is. In spite of the immense love of his father, a forgiving father that he knew, he was more interested in the possibility of his own survival. You, 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 don't, you don't get it yet. This is hypocrisy at work. Watch. There is something about us human beings that keeps us clinging to our sins that prevents us from letting God erase our past and offer us a new beginning. What do you mean? Sometimes it's like I want to prove to God how great my darkness is to overcome. Receiving the Father's love, if he went back for the Father's love, would require him to humble himself in a different, total different way. He had to realize that the Father had been harmed. And he had to go with a, a, a heart of humility, but he did not do that. What the son said was that, listen, I can, my father has so many hired servants. I can go back and be one of them. I could eat because his problem was he was hungry. So it's not that he was going home to say, Father, I have sinned. I am sorry. No, I can go and be a hired servant where I can still hide, where I can still do what I want, where I can still function the way I function and not have to pay recompense to my dad. Do you see what I'm saying? It's subtle in the text. In other words, I don't, if I can just go back and be one of the folk, I can hide. I don't want to become a beloved son because becoming a beloved son means I have to take responsibility for what I have done. Brothers and my sisters, be careful of that false pride that will come and pretend as if you're sorry when really and truly you have nowhere else to turn and the last place you can go is back home. I'm trying to tell you something, church. It's subtle in the text. Because everyone loves to talk about how wonderful the prodigal son is when he came home and said, Dad, I've sinned. Yes, you did. But his mindset in the pig's tie was, I want to be a hired servant. Describing it this way to you, what I'm trying to tell you, remember what I told you, Jesus was talking to two different types of people. He was talking to the tax collectors and the sinners. So what you need to know is that when Jesus told the story of the younger son, the tax collectors... The sinners, they could see themselves. They have left home. 
They have done things. They are in a place that they know they don't belong. They can see themselves. And what Jesus is saying, I know you're in the pit. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you can't stay in the pit. You've got to get out of the pit. And to get out of the pit, you've got to humble yourselves and go home to your father the right way. Some of us think that we can just walk into the church any old kind of way. Why? Because the church is a church. This is what churches do. But we serve a God that's holy. And holiness is always in order. So the tax collectors and the sinners are sitting around hearing Jesus speak. And they're like, Jesus is throwing stones at us. Yes, he is. The second group that Jesus was talking to was the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law. Remember what I told you. The sinners were the ones that no one wants to associate with. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are the well-to-do in society. They are, they are the leaders in our community, right? The mayors and the city council and the, and, the, and the rabbis and the pastors. The leaders in the community are now looking at Jesus, telling the story. And what do you think they're doing when they hear about the younger son? They say, see, see, that's right. That's what y'all get. But Jesus got something for them too. Because you see, Jesus didn't only tell the story of the young son. He also told the story of the older brother. You see, the older brother now has another story. Jesus is a master teacher. So the text tells us that Jesus says, meanwhile, watch this carefully. This meanwhile in the text is taking us somewhere. This is what Jesus says as these Pharisees and tax collectors are judging them. See, he only hangs out with sinners and lowlifes. This Jesus, he ain't one of us. His robe ain't fancy like ours. This Jesus, we are all that and a bag of chips. Jesus then says, meanwhile. The older brother was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, hey, what's going on, Jimmy? And, and Jimmy says, yo, your brother has come home. And, and guess what? Not only did he come home, but your father is celebrating him. He, he, he killed a fatted calf and he's giving him all this. He's lavishing all this glory upon him. Now, now, brothers and sisters, let me, trust, let, me, let me digress here for a moment. Check your heart whenever you can't celebrate someone else. Be very careful where you find your heart and yourself when something good is happening to someone else and you can't celebrate it. So, so the older brother became angry, the text tells us, and he did what? He refused to go in. So the father went out. Let me stop there. In both instances, with the younger brother who was on his way, the father went out. The second one, where the son, the older brother, says, I ain't going in. The father went out. The father went out and did what? He pleaded with him. Now, you have to understand the indignity of the father to go plead with his son. Boy, you should be grateful, because that that's why I wasn't that father. Boy, you should be grateful for everything that you have, the food you eat, the clothes on your back. You know what? I should, you all know what I'm talking about. But the father was not me. So the father went out and pleaded with the son. He said to the son, look, all these years 
you've been with me. But the, but the son wasn't satisfied yet. He says, Father, wait a second. I've been here with you all these years. I have been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me anything, not even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my homies. You, you, dad, you, dad, you, you didn't do anything for me. And here it is, you got this wretched of a son who has spit in your face and told you that he would rather you die and look at how you celebrate him and you never did that for me ever. Father said, my son, you're always with me. And everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. Now, if you listen carefully to the complaint of the older brother, you will notice that in his self-righteous, self-pitying, jealousy, you hear him say he's, he's actually attacking his father. Is that not what we do also? The older brother's complaint, though, goes a little deeper. And I know you're familiar with the story, but I want you to see some things in the text. His complaint comes from a heart that feels like it never received its due. There's a resentment that the older brother has that has been festering for a long time. Listen, let me, let me, let me come down your street. I, I tried so hard. I, I worked so long. I did so much. And still, I've not received what God seems to be giving other people so easily that that, that, that ain't even thinking about God. Why, why, why do people not thank me, not invite me to their parties, not play with me, not honor me while they pay so much attention to those that take it for granted? I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, I know this to be true because I am there. Sometimes I come into the church and I know what I pour into this church. I know what I do to try to make sure that everyone is getting what God has placed in my heart. And sometimes it enters into my heart. God, what are you doing? Why is it taking so long to, to, to let me see the fruit of my labor? Have I not been with you all this time, God? Have I not served you, God? You see, the older brother was really angry at God. And sometimes I have to learn as a pastor that sometimes when you're angry at me, you're really angry at God. God, I serve on the usher board. God, I sing in the choir. God, I, I do all these things and you seem to be a little slow. But I see somebody walk in here and all of a sudden now they're a steward. All of a sudden now you put these people in prominent places when I've been here with you from the very beginning. God, what are you doing? Search your heart. Why is God blessing everyone around me and seems to have forgotten me? Am I talking to anyone in here? Sometimes the hardest conversation of the heart is a conversation that you find in the heart of the son that stayed home. Some of us, the truth is, after living a life of debauchery, things you knew that was wrong, and now you find Jesus. And you come into the house of the Lord and all of a sudden now your, your, your robe is you're robed up or you've got on a tie and you put it on really, really well but forgot where you were coming from. How quickly we forget where we've been. And so you haven't been in church all your life. All of a sudden now you come in and you, 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 you get to sit in the seats of honor. But here comes a younger brother through the door. And now all of a sudden it's, why is he here? Why is she here? I tell our leaders and our ushers all the time, and I'll say it again for the sake of, of, the, of this message. 
People can walk in here any way they feel like. And sometimes people come in here and they probably don't smell that great. And I go around, what I tell you? I go around and I try to hug everybody. And sometimes you'll get to the one that is unhuggable. But I remind us, hear me clearly, my robe can wash. Do you understand? My robe can wash. We are preserving the dignity of persons, of people, when they walk in. But let me not go too far. What I'm trying to show you, brothers and sisters, in the context of the story, is that the younger brother is not the only one that had left home. The older brother himself had also left home in his heart. Because while he may be there for the father, doing all the things that the father was doing secretly, he couldn't wait for the father to die. Because he wanted what was coming to him as well. So you can be out there and honest enough and say, Father, I want you to die. Give me mine. Or you can be saying, you know, I'll do whatever you want. I'm just biding the time. Which brother are you? Because you're one of them. But Henry Nowen does a wonderful thing where he tries to let us see that the story of the prodigal son really isn't about the younger brother or the older brother. The story is really about the benevolent father. You see... Nowen takes us on a journey where we were once the younger son. Then we come into the house of the Lord and we find God and, and we become the older brother. Self-righteous, believing we've got it all together. But the truth of the matter is whether you've got it all together or you have nothing at all, none of us are the compassionate, benevolent father. You have to, we have to cultivate in our hearts and our minds a sense of, a sense of acceptance for people where they are. Listen, people are going to make the mistakes they make. You can't fix everybody, and we can't fix everyone. So now the Pharisees, remember them? When they heard the story, <laughs> all of a sudden now, judgment came to their door. Because they saw that Jesus was talking about them. They are the older brothers, the one inside the house who was just as wicked and conniving as the bro younger brother that left. So the bottom line is this. The younger son left and came back to confront the father with false repentance. The older son had an issue and confronted the father with his contempt. Both came to the father poorly and in need of something very special, yet both remains very, very different from the father. So the text tells us that when the father saw his son, he was filled with compassion. He ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And of course, the father had a celebration. The father saw him, which means the father kept hoping. The father ran to him, which means the father was eager to see him. The father threw his arms around him, which means he welcomed him. And the father kissed him, which means the father forgave him. The father met him where he was. This is where many of us are when we come into the house of the Lord. God came to you. You think you walked in the church, but God has been pulling you and wooing you all this time. God came to you when he sent Jesus. He came to you. Now the second son, the elder son, the text tells us the older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You know the story. The father went out, which means the father had compassion. 
The father said, my son, which means he's establishing his identity. He says, you're always with me, means that I'm always in relationship with you. The father said, everything that I have is yours, which means you have an inheritance. In other words, the father met him where he was. You see, God will always look at where you are. And your blessing is not necessarily the same blessing as mine. You may be a young son, you may be an old son, or you may be a no son. But the fact of the matter is Jesus said grace is sufficient for you. And he says, listen, I left the majesty of heaven, came down to earth to make sure that you understand that there is no depth, no place that you could ever sink so low that my love cannot reach you. That's the message of the Father. And he's saying to you, it's available for you and you and you and everyone who will receive this free gift. I don't know what you're hearing, but here is where I come down on all of this and where I will leave you today. You and I, we're on, journey, on a journey. We have to search ourselves and our hearts and see where we are. If I feel like I'm the younger son, like I've turned my back on God, then God is saying, I have a feast waiting for you. If I'm an older brother and I'm in church, serving in the church, but I'm miserable and I'm angry for whatever reason, the father is saying, listen, chill, all of this is for you. I'm always with you. Find the place in your heart for where you are. Because the goal is whether you're the young son or the old son, the point is Jesus wants to get us to be the compassionate and benevolent father. The person who when every time someone comes to you, you're willing to open up your arms and say, I forgive you. I, I got you. It's all right. Listen, we will make mistakes all the time. And listen, it is what we do. We are flawed. The Bible tells us our righteousness is as but what? Filthy rags. None of us, none of us can claim the, 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 the things that Jesus claims unless we come under the protection of his wings. And what God has for you and for me, it is for you and for me. So, 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 so when we hear about the prodigal son, here's what I want you to think about. The word prodigal in the dictionary actually means lavish. And we call this the prodigal son, but I don't like that name. I like to call it the, the benevolent father, or sometimes I like to call it the prodigal father. Because you see, Jesus lavishes his love on you. And he lavishes it on me. And as long as God is willing to give us a bounty of his blessings, I want all that God has for me. And so the real question is not how am I to find God? The question really is, how am I going to let myself be found by God? The, the question is not, how am I to know God? The question is, how am I going to make myself be known by God? And finally, it's not, how am I to love God? But how am I going to let myself be loved by God? I told you before, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful in God's eyes. And if you could see yourselves the way that God sees you, you would not settle for the things you are settling for in life. There is more that God wants for you, a whole lot more for you and for me. And the truth of the matter is, all that you want and all that I want, I will, we will never get unless we come together in agreement. For where two or more are gathered, he is right there in the midst. And in the midst he is, there is peace, there is love, there is hope, there is joy in the Holy Ghost. So, my brothers and my sisters, right, if you've been lost, whether out of the house or even in the house, there is room for you at your father's table. If you will only but receive it.